Hey everyone, welcome. This is uh, Epson Radio. You're tuned into Crow Key, Life Drawing from Home, here that we have uh, every Wednesday night on the radio at uh, 7.50. We begin every session with 10 minutes of setup uh, to get acclimated to your drawing space and get acclimated to your drawing tools. We haven't done a new one in a long time, and that's completely on me, completely uh, just busy uh, producing other things for the radio, but I didn't forget about you guys. Uh, had you in the back of my mind. The nice thing about delaying this uh, episode for so long is that the world is changing. Uh, back, not really, maybe, but uh, evolving into something else as we slowly uh, make the transition from the pandemic back to what the new normal uh, will become, whatever that is. And uh, just happy to be here. If you guys can hear in the background, Epsilon is open again. Uh, so you'll hear some uh, buzzing of uh, chairs moving and hopefully some light murmurs of uh, voices speaking. Hopefully they're not uh, too much. Uh, but it was important or I thought it could be cool to kind of get the energy back in the radio. Uh, we've been um, locked for the most part in the church uh, producing the radio uh, since Christmas time and uh, it's my first time uh, being around people in a public setting in a long time and far be it for me to lock myself in a room and uh, stare at a wall so I'm looking out in Epsilon Church uh, you guys are looking out in your room or your bathroom or outside somewhere wherever you are so just uh, take that in and take that moment in and uh, as we start this session today We'll do what we always do with the uh, first 10 minutes of class, and we will acclimate ourselves to the room, to our supplies, as I said already, and uh, prepare for drawing. So what that means is if you're going to be drawing from a model that is not yourself, uh, you want to make sure they are set up and they have stretched out, or they begin stretching now and, uh, you know, wiggle the toes, as they say, and uh, you stretch their fingers I mean the same as they do I guess in kindergarten as a child uh, jumping jacks whatever gets them loose as a model that's what you should be doing now um, we don't have a guest today it's just me uh, right now sitting in Epsilon talking to you out there um, and we may uh, cut the show a bit shorter um, we might uh, skip the last 20 minute pose um, but I do have something interesting that I'm going to read from today and that is uh, Augusta Rodin, the uh, well-known uh, sculptor and artist. And what I'll be reading from is a lesser-known um, adaptation of his work or uh, a book written about his uh, life as a illustrator and a drawer, which I had no clue about until uh, one of our previous guests mentioned it. Um, so all I knew of Rodin is probably what most of you guys know from a quick Google search is... Uh, the Gates of Hell, and uh, Rodin is a artist from, I believe I can check in the book in here in a second, but the uh, 19th century, so 1800s, and um, uh, heavily influenced by uh, uh, classism, or classicism, uh, neoclassism, so the revisitation of uh, uh, ancient Rome and ancient Greece sculpture and uh, the Renaissance and uh, um, the you know concentration on the form and the body 
But the thing I didn't know, which our guest a couple weeks ago brought up, is he um, lived with models uh, around him um, that always uh, had no clothes on. And it was so that he could draw them, draw from them, and they never posed. Uh, or the, the intention was not for them to pose. The intention was them to live their lives around him and him to be a voyeur and uh, interpret that on the page so i've skimmed through this book obviously it's an art book so it's mostly pictures um i'm not sure if we'll get through all of it today uh, maybe we'll continue it at a later date um but i do have to return <laughs> to the uh, library here shortly so i'm not sure how far i get um with with this book but um in the meantime get your pencils out get your markers out um, get your watercolors out um, figure out what colors you want to use, get the model warmed up, uh, raise the model off the floor um, if necessary. That helps. Um, make sure nothing is cropped that you actually don't want cropped. So make sure they're in a position in the room where you can see all of their body if that's your intention. Um, make sure their hands are not hidden, but more importantly, make sure their feet are not hidden. Um, you don't want to cut off their feet at the bottom of the page, I think. It's a better exercise, especially if you consider this class a exercise and not a finished um, art course that you at least have the ability to draw the entire body, even if later on you uh, crop out the parts you don't like or color or border in or whatever you see fit to do. Um, but you want to have that option. Um, so make sure you have them situated in the room in a way that, uh, yeah, that you can see them. Uh, if if you're going to draw yourself, you know, get the mirror ready, maybe clean it off um, and then grab the light source. Um, for those of you using just the main light source in the room, um, there's not much you can do, but maybe some of you others have a extra lamp or a table lamp or a floor lamp that you can create some directional lighting. And I would always suggest and as you guys know a lot of our guests always suggest is to put it at uh, three quarters or uh, three o'clock or um, you know not directly in front of the model not directly behind the model but either somewhere slightly to the left or slightly to the right of the front um, and you can make it as strong or, or um, faint as you want but I will say the stronger uh, you make it, uh, and when I say make it, I mean the shadows, uh, the more intentional and the more dra dramatic the drawing will be and the easier it will be to draw, and you'll be able to get some more strict lines or some more hard lines or some more aggressive lines and or some lines uh, with more intention. Uh, the fainter the light, and for those of you just using the ceiling light, uh, it's going to be harder to find uh, the contours of the body, but it still can be done, and maybe that's that's what you would like. And maybe you can, with that light on the ceiling, you can just uh, uh, cooperate it in a way that it creates some, some different shadows, some shadows that uh, maybe come underneath the curves of the body. So keep that in mind too. So you're not completely out of luck if you only have the ceiling light. Um, yeah, so we're going to start 
the uh, class here in two minutes. So uh, take some deep breaths. Um, I would say if you've had a long day at work and you're using the right side of your mind, it's okay to activate the left side of the mind. So start thinking creatively. Put some good uh, creative abstract thoughts in your head uh, right before you start here. And if you need to, take your hand and smack your cheek on the left side and just massage the left side of the brain because that's the creative side of the brain. And that's what we activate when we do these uh, pseudo-philosophical uh, contour drawings of the human form. And we can get as literal or as abstract as we want to. Uh, most importantly, remembering that uh, nothing is wrong in a process of learning. Uh, you can only learn what to do or what not to do. And both of those are uh, fair uh, goals or fair uh, outcomes. Uh, it's just about growth. So we've got uh, one minute to go. We're going to stick with our usual uh, five, ten minute poses. So uh, I'll ring my keys here when we begin. Um, and then that will let you know to start. And then I will ring uh, the keys after that to let you know that the model can switch positions. Uh, so we're going to start that in 30 seconds. And keep in mind that the first poses, uh, as our experts have said, as they've come one by one on the air, uh, you should avoid using your eraser. The first, uh, the first poses are just figuring out where your mind is, uh, figuring out where the edges of the paper are, figuring out the edges of the human form that you're drawing, figuring out the edges of the uh, room that you're in, figuring out the contours. Um, quick gesture drawings uh, with a lot of energy and uh, you can't make any mistakes right all right so okay so we're going to go into the first pose um, as always for the model these are the more um, extreme poses these are the ones you can uh, use to figure out the your boundaries and and the fringes of what your body is capable of that will also make more interesting drawings uh, for the artist and uh, it will allow yourself to learn about <coughs> excuse me the capabilities of, uh, of the shapes you're able to make and uh, I would insist or suggest that you think of yourself as making shapes um, those uh, these for me personally um, completely subjectively I think that uh, the shapes of the human form is the most interesting uh, thing um, using the body as a tool of to make nature the, sh the shapes of rocks or the shapes of mountains or the shapes of uh, ponds and you can the interesting thing about the human form is uh, you can make all these shapes and contours just by moving your body in certain ways um, we don't think of the human form always like that uh, because we've been taught throughout our lives to think of it as separate from uh, natural uh, and almost unnatural, but it is uh, still a functioning uh, bio-organism that can manipulate itself uh, through practice and uh, through life drawing and through koki, uh, we're able to find those edges um, and that for me is what I find interesting about it except for the fact of, you know, obviously making uh, uh, pretty pictures. Alright, so we're coming to the end of the first pose. Uh, if you guys somehow uh, 
found this uh, episode by accident, you can find the previous episodes with other experts talking about life drawing on our archive. Um, you can get to that archive either through your favorite pl- podcast platform, be it Spotify or uh, Apple uh, or Google Play, uh, but also through our own app. You would just uh, go to the App Store and find the Epsilon Radio app, uh, download it, and then um, you can see the crow key uh, just below uh, in, in the list of programming and also all the other programming that we do. Um, this program is uh, unlike any of the others we do but maybe you have other interests than life drawing Uh, and if for some reason you get to there and you see something that you think is missing that you would like to do or you think that we should do for you or for a group uh, we're definitely up for always listening to new ideas of programming that we can have on the radio so just write to us at uh, radio at epsilon cph dot dk um, and also just send us drawings if, if you want to yeah, you're always welcome to do that I'm curious to know uh, what you guys are drawing uh, how much you're drawing when you're drawing uh, the artists that you are inspired by uh, so on and so forth There is uh, background noise today, so I didn't give the speech about the music, but you're more than welcome to uh, turn my voice uh, up in the room and put on your own background music. I don't know how it will play uh, with the background music that's actually in the room here with the people talking, Um, but for me, it was important to get some energy um, in the room. You can also uh, do croquis not in in a set situation if you remember uh they're going to switch positions again now if you remember uh, we had a guest uh, a while ago and we discussed uh, drawing in the subways of new york people sitting down you could come to uh, a place like epsilon and as i'm doing now sit in the corner and just look out and people don't really move that much when they're eating or when they're working on the computer or you know uh, playing with their their baby or uh, so many things and so many shapes and the colors are in here as you guys that have been here know are quite inspiring there's a lot of pastels uh, which I'm privy to so your pastel pinks and your mint greens and then uh, juxtaposed with your uh, true red I guess and your true blue your true primary colors and your uh, pale yellow and these are the colors of an artist called uh, Tal R uh, who was quite well known here in Denmark uh, for being uh, an aesthetic genius and uh, being praised for his use of color and shape and line. Um, I'm not sure if his show is still up. It was up right before lockdown. A lot of the programming for the museums is is unsure as they've had to uh, shift and transition uh, because of corona restrictions. Uh, but we imagine them to be opening here soon. And uh, we'll see what they open with. Uh, I'm curious to go to Louisiana. Uh, I just received as a gift, a great gift, a, uh, a season pass for Louisiana. Um, so I think it's a great trip to go out to Louisiana. The trip itself is beautiful. The museum obviously is beautiful. The view from the museum is beautiful. And uh, it's just all aesthetics all the time. So it's such a great space. 
uh, that I'm looking forward to enjoying again here soon. And so switch positions again. We have uh, two more of these quick poses. Um, so model, keep in mind uh, what's cold, what's hot, uh, what you've lost feeling in, what hurts, and what is like uh, pin what nerves are pinching. Uh, we don't want any of that. Um, and also, in general, uh, be be more exotic, be more um, abstract. Uh, do the poses that seem weird. Um, we can save the natural poses for the longer poses that come after this. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, in the book on our first break that's going to come here in uh, three, a little over three minutes. And we'll start at the beginning. Uh, for those of you that know Rodan, that beginning will be a bit boring, but hopefully we get into a bit of his uh, work um, uh, sooner than later. Um, yeah, so... Think, uh, if you're drawing, again, think about the tools you're using. Uh, think about the way that your eraser works. You're not using the eraser right now, but think about the way your fingers work on the page. What lines can you smudge? Uh, what watercolor can you double dip in? What shades mix into other colors? And, and be wild with these first ones. I would encourage you to be wild the whole time, but definitely uh, with more intention in the first ones. And uh, as you tweak the room, as you as you... I would wait till tweaking the room until the break. Uh, that's what the break is for. So as the model is resting and stretching, then you can start playing with the light is in the wrong place or the the vase is in the wrong place or the comforter is blocking a certain part of the body. Uh, let's save that to the later poses. For now, just concentrate on drawing. Just concentrate on what's in front of you. Don't worry about moving anything in the room. Uh, just be where you are and just uh, draw. So this is the last just gesture drawing. Um, some artists actually prefer gesture drawings. Um, we're going to come to this Rodin book in a second, but they're definitely a majority gesture drawings, um, which are what you guys are doing now. Sometimes some people use 30 minute gesture drawings. I think that's a bit too short. I think the same about one minute. I think two minutes is enough to get a feel of the body for me. I'm also just in general a bit slower about a lot of things. Um, and that's me saying that, not my partner. Uh, although they would reinforce uh, that sentiment. Um, but, no, that's a joke. But uh, yeah, like if, uh, you know, this is also because it's on the radio, you can do as you want. You can ignore my key. You can use the key as a reference. It's, it's really only a suggestion and a reference. Um, and you do as you want, don't feel bad about anything that you do, especially when it comes to art. Uh, it's your time to be free. Uh, if you don't consider yourself an artist, you're illustrating right now, and don't worry about the definition of what art is. For now, just worry about what's in front of you and being there with that person. If it's your partner, if it's your friend, if it's your sister, if your cousin, whoever it is, uh, just uh, have an intimate connection with them right now. Um, just be there and if it's yourself do the same thing with yourself like uh, and uh, concentrate on the mirror uh, concentrate on your hand in front of your face if if it's an in inanimate object in the room uh, feel free as well um, you know still life drawing is also a, a education and a part of academic learning um, from artistic learning uh, still life drawing excuse me 
Yeah. So this is our, our first break. So uh, model, shake it out, shake all the limbs, uh, get some get some air if you need air, get some heat if you need heat, get a drink if you need drink. Uh, same thing to the person drawing, rotate those wrists. Hopefully you've, you've uh, loosened that wrist up, you've got it acclimated to the room, um, you've, you've found the edges of your paper, you've found the stroke of the brush that, you, that you're going to use for the rest of the class. You've maybe found some mistakes in what you were doing. Um, all of those are good. It's all a process. We we get to where we go, and wherever we end up, we we unpack our luggage and stay there for a while, uh, and that's fine. We can also get up and go, uh, metaphorically. Um, yeah. So leave leave all the thoughts uh, in the room with the room. If you need a break right now, bathroom or otherwise, take it. Um, so let's talk about this book that we're going to cover today. So I made a uh, total anecdotal story. I think uh, I haven't double checked that it was true, but I'm pretty sure it was true. A couple um, episodes back, maybe a long episodes back, but about Rodin and uh, his sculpture and how it has been uh, uh, plagiarized um, with his original cast uh, and re and resold uh, lately. But I had no idea about his drawings. So this book is uh, a book by Anna Maria uh, Bonet, uh, if I'm pronouncing it right. It's called uh, Rodin's Late Drawings uh, Towards Culture and Desire. And it is uh, plates of his drawings. Um, so uh, if I read it's always nice that they start these these books with a quote from the artist. Uh, and Rodin says, I have been accused of thinking about women too much, but what we could make more beautiful than thinking about women. So, a bit dated. I mean, also, as I've been following this, uh, this world uh, more intensely than normally, not super intensely, there's not very many uh, male uh, nude figure drawing models. Um, I'm assuming, I, I don't really know. I'll let you guys say why and what you think. I'm sure that all of the above, why or why not, I think probably all of the, the above is uh, part of, of, of a big equation. Um, but also, if you're a male figure drawing model or you're a male uh, drawing the male form, kudos to you as well. Uh, obviously, you'll get um, different shapes uh, and, and you know, uh, yeah, there are many shapes in between uh, the two, the two sexes and many types of bodies and especially with figure drawing, it's usually not in these gender roles. It's usually beyond them. Um, yeah, so let's read the forward here. Uh, we've got uh, a minute and a half left in the break. I'll read and then I'll let you know about these next poses. Uh, the next poses are going to be five minutes. These five minute poses, there will be four of them, uh, after which we will take another break and then we will go longer. We'll go 10 minutes times two or because we're making the class shorter, you can also go 20 minutes uh, one time. So with that, uh, Anna Marie Bonet 
Rodin's late drawings towards cultures of desire. Composition, Rodin said, is a dramatic science, a science of the lie. He rejected all that was conventional and academic and instead worshiped nature, life in all immediacy. He told his models to wonder about, to remain natural, not to adopt poses, and he preferred to work with several models at once so that they would forget he was there more quickly. He surprises his models in hab habitual or chance moments, movements in expressions that are no more than incipient. And when they are tired of or strained, Rodin watched them patiently waited, and when they were absorbed in themselves, distracted, dressing or undressing, or grooming themselves, he struck, recording what he saw as much as, much as he could catch of it, a lightning speed, his pencil chasing to catch the most momentary vision in the twinkling of an eye. The drawings are as fast and fleeting as they were captured on the paper, and he called them his one-minute drawings. Uh, Rico recognized the special magic of the drawings as early as 1902. At last, however, these curious documents of the momentary, of the unperceptible passing instant were created. Rodin had the idea that a quick sketch of models, insignificant movements, when she thought herself unobserved, might contain a degree of expressive power that he would never suspect it. Because we are not used to giving such movements any eager, active attention, never talking, never taking his eyes away from the model, and with his swift, experienced hand entirely abandoned to the paper, he drew countless gestures that had never been seen before, that had forever been ignored, and in turned out the expressive power emanating from them was an immense sequences of movement that had never before been grasped and recognized as a whole appeared and they had all the immediacy force and warmth of life that are an almost animal quality so that's a quote from uh, Rico um, who I'm sure was an art critic of the day um, so the reason I found this uh, book kind of interesting one, I already said, like, I didn't know Rodin was also doing drawings and also doing drawings in a way that weren't uh, directly, uh, I guess, sketches of what would then become his sculptures. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, apparently, everybody knew that but me. Uh, but nonetheless, I found that interesting. Um, so whereas a sculpture freezes a moment um, and, and it's very pragmatic if you think about uh classical sculpture, um, especially that from the Renaissance, it freezes the moment, but the poses are very contrived. Um, and then even if you think about uh, later in Romanticism, which brings us up a couple hundred years, uh, even though it was uh, moments and instances, these poses were still very contrived to make uh, a general seem powerful or to make a maiden seem weak or to make uh, a mother um, seem scared or to express emotion. And what uh, these drawings do, uh, these one-minute gesture drawings um, that he was doing, were uh, none of the above. Uh, the expression was in the form, not in the details, not in the, the, uh, the abundance of, of the gesture not in the uh, abstraction of the gesture. 
uh, or in the abstraction of the gesture, just uh, drawing uh, instinctively. Uh, uh, the quote refers to waiting for the model to relax and forget that uh, he was around, which is also a trick they use uh, to this day in, in certain films. If you ever hear a director talk about uh, shooting certain scenes, uh, waiting until the actor fell into the character or, or a documentary, uh, you know, talking to somebody until they, like, you know, have that exhale moment. And uh, for Rodin, having these uh, models around, uh, it was important to uh, catch them in that moment, not in the moment uh, that I guess was probably commonplace in visual arts at the time. Um, so yeah, uh, before we go any further, I can, uh, we have one minute to go before we switch model, uh, and then there'll be three more uh, five minute poses. But I can quickly describe to you some of these uh, drawings. Um, so they are uh, all women. Uh, they are, some of them are more traditional, I guess, uh, sexual in nature. Um, but there are other just kind of abstract ones of, uh, as, as they mentioned, uh, these candid moments, uh, finding the figures, finding the shapes, and just these uh, kind of very light uh, uh, abstract shapes of color um, uh, transparently drawn uh, with the gesture of the a suggestion of a human being uh, layered on top now this could be because of the way the drawing has uh, faded over time but to me it, they were seem to be done with uh, very uh, very faint, uh, very dull uh, watercolors very quickly and then a form appears uh, by uh, letting the eye, the, the eye kind of blur past the piece of paper. The form is uh, a, a suggestion um, on the page. The, the human form is the suggestion on the page. Um, and I guess the po some of the poses are sexual, but the drawings are not necessarily sexual, if that makes sense. Um, other than that, as I said, it's mostly um, women either dressing or undressing. Um, and these are uh, plates, and plates are... Um, what are plates? Well, I mean, plates in this book is like the old way of putting art in books, right? Um, it, it's hard to say for you guys when you look at these old drawings it's hard to say because they are quick gesture drawings they're not usually done with the best archival paper so what that means is that the paper has browned over time the watercolors have lost their intensity um, so it's hard to say what the color palette is because the drawings may or may not have aged well and I would imagine that these uh, watercolors here uh, are to that point that the actual paper was not this brown. And the, wa the, the faint blues and the faint uh, pinks were probably bright blues and bright reds uh, in the drawing. And, and it's also important to remember, like, a lot of times when you guys see things about ancient Egypt or uh, even uh, 
a, a lot of old uh, of uh, these abstract or kind of representational sculptures they were actually painted they were covered in gold uh, they they did paint them in purples and blues and and uh, the you know the brightest most expensive pigments but the issue is that those didn't really last over time so when we see these kind of like stone uh, sand colored sculptures uh, in in museums uh, that was <laughs> that wasn't their original color and that's the same vibe I get from these Rodin drawings now whether or not that was their original intention I don't know um, but I would guess that it's more about the the archival materials he was using obviously if he was doing a lot of these and so frequently and on a daily basis uh, he would just do them quick and put them somewhere uh, probably not that organized probably just doing them as inspiration as a way to pass the time that being said uh, I quite like this color palette um, it reminds of the natural uh, uh, color of a of an old building uh, that isn't brick. Uh, it reminds of the foundation colors of a building. Uh, it were, if for those of you that have raw walls, I know a lot of us have in Copenhagen have this uh, this wallpaper that's quite common that is white or painted white. We all paint our rooms back white, but uh, some of us, um, if you ever been to uh, Leipzig, Germany, or uh, an older city that that the wallpaper has come down and you actually see the stone of the uh, the room itself or the masonry itself those are the the, the colors of this uh, of these drawings and that's kind of what's left on the page after the the uh, the, uh, the 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 paint has aged it they become to look more like uh, almost like stone stone drawings in a temple or wall drawings in a in an old temple with highlights of color here and there, um, where the color kind of set and saturated the paper to the point of actually dyeing the paper the way it probably was intended when you use a watercolor. Um, interesting thing here also is the his hands, right? He I always talk about not hiding from the hands, uh, but not necessarily needing to get them perfect. Uh, if you if you if you decide to look through this book or Google his drawings, it's a good reference to when you draw hands th as you see them. Some of the hands don't read as hands, but they do read as functional hands, and that's hard to say. So this is the next uh, five-minute pose model, uh, and model you should be. Uh, you obviously by now you know not to do the extreme thing you did in the two minute drawing but maybe also don't lay down on your side and don't just stand up on one hip uh, five minutes is uh, for you can hold a, a decent pose for five minutes that's me saying that as someone that's never done it but still um, yeah it's also nice um, when you look at these old drawings that are that have aged, uh, what colors turn into and which colors like survive. So some of these drawings, there's uh, women wrestling and and uh, making different shapes by by hugging or not hugging. Um, 
and it's interesting to see that in some of them for instance there's one that's lime green right and why would lime green survive for very long uh, whereas uh, you know maybe a, a color red or brown didn't um, but yeah nonetheless back to the hands and the feet the feet are also very very interesting um, there's a concentration on just the uh, the side of the foot um, none of the other toes kind of like imagine drawing like a child would do maybe a foot but also uh, only drawing the arch of the foot and the big toe and leaving the rest of the toes off as they weren't interesting um, and I think in general this book is a good contrast to what he did as a sculptor because the sculptures if you guys don't know are extremely detailed and extremely refined and if you look at something like the gates of hell they're ext it's extremely old school it's it's really a testament to how far technology had come or resources had come that he was able to produce the gates of hell compared to maybe some of the ancient uh, roman or renaissance uh, sculptures of, of with the same ideas in mind um, a lot of his stuff has been uh, reproduced so you can see it uh, see in uh, France but you can also see it in New York uh, not in New York excuse me probably New York as well but I meant to say uh, Philadelphia if that museum is still there and that was how I first came across uh, Rodin and in the sculpture museum um, and for those of you that missed it before he licensed not licensed because you didn't do that back then but he gave permission to a museum uh, to reproduce uh, his sculptures and are and I believe to someone else in order to hold the plates or not the plates these the uh, cast excuse me and when you have a, the cast of a sculptor you basically can make as many of the sculptures as you can uh, but there was a think of it as like two-part uh, authentication he gave one person the cell phone and one person the computer and one was not supposed to work without the other unfortunately greed is greed and one of I forgot who did what but uh, one side decided that they would just create the sculptures uh, without the other's approval and uh, today we have lawsuits uh, if you guys want to check fact check me on that you're more than welcome um, reciting it completely from memory okay so let's continue on the same book uh, you can find it at the library just as I did. Uh, I'm going to return it tomorrow. So by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be back uh, in the library in Norvest. It's uh, Augusta Rodin, Erotic Drawings. And it continues on page 10. Uh, one minute to go in this drawing. Uh, after Rodin had sat watching for a long time, he would suddenly start drawing. And he would fill sheet after sheet as if he, had pos uh, as if he was possessed carelessly dropping each of the finished sketches onto the floor. Thousands of drawings were produced in this way. In 1906, uh, Bordella was given the task of sorting through the sheets for the first exhibition that was ex exclusively devoted to Rodin's drawing, held in 1907 at Bernheim-Jouin in Paris. Bordella describes how he s entered a room that was filled to to bursting with these sketches at the studio building in Modon. Overwhelmed, he noted down his first impressions in a kind of shorthand. 
In the drawings, there is only what is essential. There is only beauty. A million drawings in the downstairs rooms. Infallible observer of the slightest nuances, the tiniest gestures. Drawings like lightning. The odor of the human species. Drama of pleasure. These sympathetic appreciations of Rodin's late sketches only reflect part of their effect. At the 1907 exhibition, critical voices were also raised, condemning the sheets as scrawl or as children's drawings. When Paul Klee saw a few of the drawings at an exhibition in Prague in 1902, he was extremely impressed and described them as nude caricatures. The only good things are the drawings, etchings, and lithos by the French artists. Above all, Rodin with nude caricatures, caricatures, a species not yet known in his work. And with these, he excelled everything else as I saw there. Amazingly brilliant outlines drawn with a couple of pencil lines, flesh color, set down in water color with a full brush. That's all, and the effect is simply monumental. Um, so that's actually a better description of what I was just trying to describe is uh, pools of color in abstract shapes made with watercolor uh, outlined uh, with uh, pencil. It continues. The sketchiness of the works caused astonishment as early as 1900. Arthur Simons, for example, regretted that the sheets lacked a delicate beauty and he made excuses for this by remarking that the drawings were notes for works in marble, and they, they only aimed to capture the expression. His intention focused all the more strongly on the subject matter. The principle of Rodin's work is sex, sex that is conscious of itself. In all this suffering, tortured flesh is consumed by lust, by the fear of those who have but a short time to enjoy the fruits of desire. These are all the drawings of women in the nude, and in these drawings women is brought to a point of simplicity even greater than that of Degas. Women as animal, and in a certain rather strange way, women as idol. It is hideous and overpowering, and it has the beauty of every supreme energy. Nothing more obscene has ever been made, but is voluptuousness that has the nobility of an idea or of an abstract form. In its vacillation between attraction and repulsion, Simon's reaction can be taken as representative of the way in which the drawings were a challenge to even the most well-disposed of Rodin's contemporaries. Rodin had already achieved notoriety as a sculptor. His plastic art had put con contemporaries severely to the test, and he was now advancing onto even thornier ground in his drawings. The drawings, the most immediate expression of artistic creativity, provides an intimate glimpse of the creative process, and at the time it was mainly seen as representing preparatory work, preparatory work, that's a preparation drawings. Uh, on the one hand, however, Rodin's drawings, particularly the latter ones, are not sculptor's sketches since they make no immediate reference to any plastic work, and on the other, they cannot be described as nude drawings either. Nude is a term generally referring to a body arranged according to a certain artistic form. Artistic norm. Excuse me. Usually an ideal form, but Rodin's so-called nudes might be better described as, a, as depictions of nakedness, since he is not concerned with 
arranging any kind of artistically standardized naked beauty. His eye is concerned with the body. Turning the page. And movement. With the body that has life and spirit, whose nakedness is an expression of its naturalness, of its living immediacy, the concept of the nude with its cultured standardizing quality is precisely the diametrical opposite of what Rodin has in mind. For him, nakedness was an immediate expression of nature, life, simplicity, the goals of all his artistic efforts. He therefore had different standards. In nature, there is no morality. In art, there can be nothing immoral. Art is forever sacred. And with that, uh, we're going to take this is the last of the five minute poses. Um, we're going to take a break and you can get the uh, so in this break um, after this break we're going to go into the uh, last pose the earlier episodes were a bit longer um, but there's nothing wrong with leaving you guys a little bit for later so uh, we're going to take the last pose here in uh, four minutes uh, you can it's going to be 20 minutes long you can take one 20 minute pose or you can take to 10 minute poses so keep that in mind um, and the reason we suggest both is if you want to do you can also do what Rodin did uh, one minute at a time I'm not going to keep time with that uh, but you know just uh, getting it down on paper is also nice you can edit later and that's what the gesture drawings are for this last one uh, you can maybe revisit uh, a pose that the model thought was comfortable that you also found interesting um, and that's probably the best marriage for the excuse me the last pose um, I'll continue reading in the book um, but let's go back to the last part and there is uh, even at this time a kind of uh, conundrum or a, a tension between uh, being nude and sexuality and uh, nude body uh, uh, kind of being one-to-one -one with sexuality um, for me personally I don't necessarily equate the two directly to each other um, but some people do and it wouldn't be uncommon that some people do uh, but what I'd like you guys to focus on in this class is uh, just it as uh, as art as abstraction um, as something that you uh, are just trying to uh, document document here on the page um, so yeah so I, I'm just gonna read that last part the big group just walked in uh, to Epsilon now and they're trying to uh, figure out where to sit so you may hear them bustling about in the background uh, that's also part of this live so you guys can probably hear as I can a bunch of chairs being moved uh, but good it's, it's in the break so it's, it's fun because Maybe you guys are sitting at home moving around chairs and moving around furniture to get ready for this last pose. Um, yeah, so hopefully uh, we're going forward, we're trying to capture more of the energy of the house being open, uh, which was the original intention of the radio. Uh, and now that we are open again, uh, maybe we can do a better job of it. Um, you guys will hear this tomorrow night. It's currently lunchtime here, so the lunch crowd is coming in. Uh, and I'm just happy to be around uh, people again, personally, uh, even though I don't know them and I probably won't uh, conversate with any of them. It's just nice to people watch. Um, and if you guys are sitting outside 
and uh, with your sketchbooks and people watching uh, enjoy it um, I just want to take that last paragraph again because I think it's good to keep this last paragraph in mind uh, going forward with the drawings that you're, you're doing now. Mm. His eye, meaning Rodin's, is concerned with the body in movement, with the body that has life and spirit, whose nakedness is an expression of its naturalness, of its living immediacy. The concept of the nude with its cultured, standardizing quality is precisely the diametrical opposite of what Rodin has in mind. For him, nakedness was an immediate expression of, natur of nature, life, simplicity, the goals of all his artistic efforts. He therefore had different standards. In nature, there is no morality. In art, there can be nothing immoral. Art is forever sacred. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not going to read into the, to the words, I'm uh, not that one, but the, the things that it brought to my mind as we, as we get ready for the last, uh, pose here is, um, the concept of, uh, if you think about science and having to have a constant and the, the nice thing about the human form is it's not, it's a constant without being stagnant as an artist. So if you think about a vase or a chair or a table, whatever, those are constant, but they're also stagnant. So there's no uh, real nuance in it. They're not in flux. They're, there's no um, movement within while still being constant. So, I mean, water obviously is uh, constant, but uh, still in motion. So you have concepts about that, but you can't, but water will always take the shape of whatever it's in, you know, whether it's a riverbed or a vase or a cup, it will take that shape. So when you, if you try to draw water, you will just end up drawing the con its containment. Uh, whereas the human form or animal or, or, or life itself, flowers may be a bit, they don't also don't move, but uh, they're on one extreme. But if you think of, you know, a dog or cat or a human, whatever you want to do, the nice thing about that is they are constant and that they, they are essentially consistent but they are they are able to be in flux they are able to be nuanced they are, you are able to have micro changes in it you are able to keep uh, they are able to keep your interest because uh, there's a familiarity with them but also uh, an unfamiliar thing and I think when you draw from life you have the ability to explore both uh, in the same time what about this person is familiar? Uh, what what uh, can I get from this interchange? But also, what is unfamiliar? And do I find that unfamiliar part interesting? Um, and that, for me, is where uh, to to when you start talking about nude as just uh, one to one, uh, just only sexual sexuality. It did. It uh, it loses a bit of the effect, and the nice thing about life drawing is you get to revisit kind of nature, and as uh, as it is intended, and understanding 
life, uh, and that's the, the gospel, I guess. I'm uh, on my soapbox talking about here on the radio. Um, but as all things, there is a counterpart to the interpretations of larger society and the interpretations of uh, of the individual. And the nice thing about listening to the show is you are able to do it as an individual or as a bigger group as you see fit. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it here together here soon when we're able to have events here. And I hope to see you guys soon here uh, in the future at Epsilon. I'll just uh, continue in the book. We've got about uh, what 15, a little over 15 minutes to go in this class. Uh, thank you guys for being with me. Um, I'll just continue. Uh, Rodin made drawings throughout his life and more and more of them as he grew older, particularly from the late 1890s onwards after his great monumental commissions had been comp completed and the last scandal, the one surrounding his uh, Balzac, 1898, had led to a shift his had led to a shift in his focus of interest. It was at this time that he abandoned the struggle on the plastic front of public commissions and withdrew to the experimental laboratory of his studio and the many unproblematic portrait commissions which finally brought him fame after 1900. Anthony M. Uh, Ludovici, who was Rodin's secretary in 1906 after Rilke, reports with surprise that the drawings had become a true cult even while the artist was still alive. It even surprised Rodin, who initially thought that they had little artistic value. Although he apparently treated them carelessly, Rodin was extremely attached to his drawings and did not like to part with them. He often had uh, facsimiles produced for exhibitions that so that he could keep the originals. Photographs of the rooms at Modon from his late years show how he surrounded himself with them. The walls of one of his salons are virtually wallpapered with densely hung, carefully framed drawings. Rodin called his drawings the key to my work. They crystallize not only his personality, but also his entire approach to art. Apart from a few landscape and architectural drawings, both his drawings and his sculpture work revolve around revolve almost obsessively around the human figure. The great sculptor was a modular, a plastic art artist par excellence, with a markedly tactile ability to copy and shape. Nevertheless, his perception and procedural methods, even as a plastic artist, were peculiarly unplastic in quality. His theory of profile defining a sculpture has the sum of the contours of the model is virtually graphic in its conception. He recognized his him himself. He recognized this himself in a conversation with Dujardin Bootness. He said of his sculptural work, "What I do could be called drawing in depth. This specific perceptual style is the common basis underlying Rodin's work, both as sculpture and as a graphic artist. His struggle to achieve movement, to capture the flow of life." was paradoxical in sculptor, since it meant that he needed to rest in an expression of uh, ephemerality from a medium that is permanent. So it is understandable that his later years, his attention turned from sculpture to drawing. The medium of drawing was better suited to his efforts to capture fleeting, ephemeral life. My drawings are the result of my sculptures. 
as he said himself. What he meant by movement was not a description of motion, but an expression of life in constant change for the eternal transition between a moment ago and the second from now. Um, so uh, ephemeral is just a fancy word for things that are not lasting, things that move, things that uh, decay over time. Uh, there's also more recent uh, artists that work and call it ephemeral to be fancy. Um, uh, but ephemeral work is essentially things that uh, decay, and there's been a lot of studies about artists that have made intentionally ephemeral work and whether or not they should be saved or left to rot. Um, th more recently, there's some abstract artists like uh, Damien Hirst who um, have, have made art about uh, flies eating garbage or something like that and and the question is do you replace the flies after they die do you replace the garbage after they die but that's what ephemeral work is um in this sense it just means ephemeral in the sense that it's ever moving so as a sculptor he spent uh, the majority of his life um working on uh, uh freezing things in time and with great detail and in his later life probably out of just boredom decided to switch to um, making works uh, that were fleeting, that uh, probably were less heavy, um, more ephemeral. They, they were here and then they were gone. Um, while the drawings of the 1880s, since he started work on the Gates of Hell, uh, mostly investigate the shape of male figures in attitudes of movement, examining expressive gestures and dramatic groups those of the late period concentrate increasingly on the individual figures of their movements, and almost ex exclusively on female protagonists, Rodin's attention had shifted. He was now no longer looking for an expressive gesture forms for well-designed body. He was attempting to capture life itself, but there was also a change in his approach to movement. While the shaping of a movement had originally sought to express the motive behind the figure's movement, and then became a fascination with the expression of what was natural and spontaneous dance, everyday change gestures, in parentheses. Movement now gradually became an expression of life itself, of Bergson's Alain Vital. Rodin's attraction to originality and naturalness brought him together with kindred spirits in the sphere of dance, such as Lula Fuller, Isadora Duncan, and Nijinsky who were also supporters of spontaneity and intuition against the academic approach. With Nijinsky in particular, Rodin recognized the expression of the immediate, the immediate animal, instinctual element he was looking for. Most of the figures are naked. If garments are used at all, then it is not to cover the figure, but to emphasize the body and its movement. While nakedness was initially a means of clarifying a pose and a movement, it increasingly became the subject itself, the body of the stronghold of life, a sensuality of life, life's impulses and excitements. At the beginning of his creative life, Rodin saw an a, a, and depicted human sensuality as bringing disastrous consequences within it. In the gates of hell, the demons that drive people out about still represent the instincts of those human beings themselves. After 1900, however, Rodin's view changed, and he became a concede. He began to concede the physical qualities of sensuality 
have their share in the stream of life. Rodin was celebrated and slandered as a triumphant satire, as the fawn of Modon, and as the homo de femmes, de femmes these French words, I, I apologize, uh, who had short-lived liaisons with several of his models. However, he also had a highly developed sense of shame, and when ladies visited the studio, he always made sure that the certain works were covered with sheets. No, no indiscretions of any sort on his part in relation to his so-called affairs are known of, and he also always spoke of his models with greatest warmth and admiration, even sometimes with awe. Only one negative statement about women by him is known. He was shocked and disgusted by the direct advances men made by a few of his high society female admirers. There are many anecdotes describing him as a caring, uh, patriarchal employer of his models. What he liked was honesty, directness, simplicity. The models, often Italians, at the time came from families of foreign workers or from the world of dance and cabaret. There were famous models who were recommended by one artist to another, for example, a notorious lesbian couple who were dancers and who were passed to on to Rodin by Degas. The demi mode or the ballet rose, cabaret prostitution exerted a powerful fascination on the so-called refined society of the period. The appropriate localites or studios were visited so that one could take one's delight in the canal. Rodin, however, made no such distinctions. A lot went on in his studios, but the atmosphere was at the time both Spartan and hardworking. The disruptible eroticism of the world of dance and cabaret or erotic woodcuts uh, from Jap Japan had a morbid attractiveness not only for the demi-mor, but also for artists. Nevertheless, Rodin was far from being decadent. After about 1906, he began became more elegant, wearing made wearing made to measure English suits and gaiters, and the honors he was receiving from so-called great world were accumulating. But his studio remained as bare as it had always been. The care he took in selecting drawings for exhibitions shows how well developed his sense of tact was. He had so often been targeted for several severe criticism as a sculptor that he now made every effort not to cause renewed offense. All right, that's all I'm going to read from this book. Uh, I got about halfway through the, uh, the introduction. Obviously, there's an elephant in the room when you have a bunch of nude women walking around your house and you're drawing them with and without clothes. Uh, and it was just stating that they don't know more than that, uh, more than we know. Uh, we went a bit over uh, the drawing time, but I just wanted to get to a good ending spot in the book. Um, join me again next week. Uh, I think I'll make a new one in two weeks. It depends on the library and how fast they can uh, get me a book and I can uh, read it to you guys. But yeah, uh, Augusta Rodin, um, turn of the century, turn of the 19th century, uh, famous for his sculptor, uh, sculpture, uh, was able to make a living from it. And then in his later years, uh, went back to life drawing and gesture drawing. Um, and whether those were, those influenced the sculptures or not, uh, we don't know. I mean, there is something that you guys know is called uh, proprietary drawings, which we discussed. 
which are the drawings that a sculptor does uh, to uh, to use to uh, help them uh, get get started on their sculpture and also to show what the sculpture should look like at the end. Uh, these were not those. Uh, these were an expression of, of love and desire and uh, uh, um, just a, a love love affair with art and the pencil and the paper and watercolors. So um, that's going to do it for now. Uh, we went a bit over. Um, if you're a model, you can begin coming out of your pose. Uh, if you're the drawer, you can continue uh, drawing, finish up your drawings. Uh, thanks for being with me. Uh, this is Crokey from home. Um, until next time, uh, see you guys again soon. Uh, and don't be a stranger. <laughs>